Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is an Asmar warlock named Elbrum, whose pixie familiar, Sil, can't remember the name of his patron. An elf-marked wizard named Calidus Magnus Lunior, who misses his cobalt slave. An old cleric, Oraki, who often drops her backpack. And I'm pleased to introduce the human paladin, Kaelin Vendris, crossing the Middle Sea from Caplion. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, good people, welcome to the show. In this episode, Elbrum takes a moment and tries to explain the feeling that is calling him from within the pyramid. Calidus delves into the depths of his soul, and he questions his impatience. The Grey Company begins an active search and returns to the area where they encountered Dar and his gnolls, the same place where four sarcophagus hang strangely in the air. Hmm, why would a sarcophagus have chains that exit sealed holes built into its sides, pulled taut, tension hung from walls and ceiling? What should one do when you find a body lying on the floor, sleeping beside a Tuscully hole, garbed in crimson nib armor? Murder. Death. Destruction. Or? Well, hello there, my good man. I am Odaki, and this is Calidus, Elbrum, and the little one. She is Sil. Well met, Kaelin Vendris. I hope you enjoyed your time with the Tuscully. Hours pass. The Grey Company sifts through chest-deep sand, searching. The oppressive feeling in the air beats down, the heat builds, and it becomes clear why Nagua and Rackham are walking around half-naked. Sil flutters to the top of the 15-foot obelisk. Will that reddish glow prove to be treasure? Calidus enters the pitted room, barren but for two very large urns. Clearly, their sole purpose is to be climbed and entered. Egads, look! A hole in the floor, a way down. Helbrum, your answers. Statues of Anubis, a long, dark corridor filled with crushed stones. Choices. Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Oh, and finally, I will close by saying goodbye to Thoran, whose time with the Grey Company was but a blip. Hello, interwebs. Once again, we're back. I'm here with Mick. And in fact, this is probably the first time we've done the podcast a couple hours after our session. Yeah, never done that before, so this could be a complete disaster because I have had no time whatsoever to think or digest anything that happened. Or, or, and, and normally I try to have my notes 
ready and me looking at okay so with some of the stuff that we talked about so we're going off completely off the cuff here which is what we did in the very first podcast i normally anyways. spend at least 15 minutes standing in a shower on the morning that we're going to do a podcast thinking about what actually happened so well <laughs> this one this one we can start out with the fact that in this session uh Calidus was there elbram was there and we had a, uh, this would be the fifth member of our party who was just starting up because we've been talking about, you know, what is the right size, four players or five players. And with four players, over the last month and a bit, our four player sessions have been a little bit sporadic. A lot of people had real life issues that have made them not show. So one thing was having a fifth player to deal with that. But also, the other reason I was thinking about the fifth player was because what you guys were doing inside the sanctuary was, it was a real challenge. You were encountering a few things that, remember you went into the River of Sand because you found the, the trap door in the floor. You'd found the, the room that was full of blood yeah. and stuff like this. And you found the trap door and you're like, oh, let's go across. And you jumped into the, as the wizard, yes. <laughs> jumped into the River of the Sand and poof, in that heartbeat. <laughs> well, you'd started going, you'd, you'd started swimming across and you'd made some pretty good time swimming across. And then something grabbed onto you, and whatever grabbed onto you, it killed you. Yeah. And I think the wizard's doing very well. He, he seems to be, he has all the attributes that he needs to be a great wizard, but seems to be incredibly stupid for a large well, I, amount of the time. Like today's episode, I, 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 I had to love, because there was a couple of times where it's just like, I, I got the feeling that Calidus got impatient with his, his colleagues, and just was like, oh, I'm going. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, it, it, about halfway through, about halfway through today's game, when it dawned on me that once again I had not dropped the real stone, and you would think that that would become so like, ingrained, so ingrained, wouldn't it? And it wasn't that I forgot as the character; I just completely forgot while playing the game. Yeah. So it was then that I decided that clearly I need to adopt a a different style of play. I can be intelligent and wise and do all those kinds of yeah. things. But at the same time, there has to be a part of me that now has to be, you know, when I forget the real stone, then that's just because I'm stupid. And when I lose patience with the other people or it's taking too long and being too slow, that's just because that's how I am. So this yeah. this really is, I'm, I'm creating a persona to cover up my own inadequacies as a player. Well, and, and it's, it's interesting too, because at the very start of the session, Elbrum's like, Callis, I don't know if you're really pissed at <laughs> Yeah, I mean, last week, but uh, and he 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 actually felt, but it, he didn't realize that you, I mean, this was all you trying to stay in character, and so yeah, he was because, worried that I mean, it was and, out of character. But it, yeah, and that matches entirely with the yeah, last podcast yeah. where it was about when you don't get this information. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, and this yeah. this is, it ties exactly with that. And then of course, this is just our pre-session. You know what happened last week, and at that point, you know we talked a little bit about last week's podcast and stuff like this. And Elbrum's like. But I really don't know. I, 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 there's not more I can give you. And I have to laugh because I try very hard not to give things away when we're having our discussions because, in fact... He gave more in the, at the prelim stage than he actually did during the game. Well, that, that's true. I yeah. mean, that is true. I mean, he, in essence, he, he really doesn't know the answers. But in what he doesn't know, there's still stuff he could tell that would be... Because I'd be happy as a player if someone said, look, there's something going on. I don't know what it is. I, I was... I never had magic before, and then all of a sudden I had magic, and I'm learning about what this means. And it was after I met this person, and yeah. I feel some kind of a pull. I, to and me... And that's what he said in the, yeah. the start of the game. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he said that, and then it's yeah. like, okay, that that 
sort of gives the whole thing credibility. Yeah. And it gives you a reason for being there. I, 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 and so now the issue becomes is that while he's got a reason to be there yeah. and we've got an explanation, we now have a situation where we can say, well, we've got your explanation. We don't like it, but we're still here. <laughs> uh, we don't like it because we're yeah. going to die. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're still here. And it also reinforces that we will run yep. at the first chance if it all turns to, if it yep. all turns to crap. And, and I imagine that if we did run, we will get to the front door and we'll be back in exactly the same quandary as we were at the oh, start with, of the with... game of him wanting to go back down to find out whatever it is that he needs to find out. It, it is, it, it's interesting that there's been nothing that's come from him in the game about whether we're getting closer, whether we're finding it, what it is that we're looking for. How will he know when he gets whatever it is that he's getting? All that oh, kind of and, stuff. And, and the interesting thing is for me is, like, you guys have all given me your backstories, and I've been tweaking a little bit. And to me, like, this, this is, again, one of those things where I had all of this stuff planned out uh, before the session where I thought things would go. Things didn't go that way. So it really took, I mean, it was half the session before we finally got to where the new player was, I yeah. uh, air quotes, waiting for you guys. But yeah. uh, there are certain things with, within the backstories where I see certain triggering, triggering other things that would be interesting. And it, it's just my expectations, do they actually see reality where I can trigger that? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, cripes, this ties into... I mean, I mean, we don't know anything about Oraki other than she showed up because she had a vision about us. Yeah. So what? She, now she's been playing with us. She was in the sanctuary with us. She's she suffered pain with us. She's part of the team. But who the hell is she? What was this vision about? And I have uh, ideas of where I want to take that to. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make tie the story together so that it seems organic how you get there. And I've actually reached the stage in terms of backstory where I can't even remember what my backstory was. Well, a big part of it is your box. Yeah. And and, and the yeah. missing box and is missing actually box, guess, really, really important. And, and probably that's the only thing of the backstory that I remember, which really isn't history. It's it's just an incident that occurred just before I arrived in the Except town. Something but the previous, else happened, too. The previous hundreds of years of my life have, have yeah, completely forgotten. But, so, but the other part, though, for you, though, is that, I mean... You, when Karima finally gave you guys your apartment mm. and you arrived at the apartment, who was there? Um, Mehmet. Yes, You Mehmet finally got to have a meeting yes, with Mehmet. Did, did and when Mehmet, yeah. this was all Kalida's backstory, <laughs> when Mehmet was there, what yeah. did Mehmet tell you? Again, not one time. Deuteronomy's dead. He's dead. Yes. Still, none of this is, none of this of any help to me because it was not the moment no it, it means nothing yeah. all you know is the guy who gave you the box uh was Died. up, up yeah. in the city of, of yeah. luxon and he was murdered and his crew disappeared and i guess what i'm saying is that in terms of the the just in terms of the game the time frame and how much there is to absorb as we go through i my real life sort of taken over the rest of everything else so i am not as anywhere near as on top of this as i need to be yeah to play a game at this level and that and and that sort of brings up the question of to sustain the game at this level, the four players, five players. This is my constant concern is engagement for the players such that, like, so for example, today, the Brazilian, he's, an, he's the, the Minotaur yeah. player. He wasn't able to attend because he was, yeah, real life yeah. stuff was going on. 
And then, of course, Oraki wasn't able to play because they got <laughs> snowed in. And, and so they tried to find the road out well, the front of their house. Good Samaritan. He was helping a neighbor out dig, dig yeah. themselves out. And so he wasn't able to play either. Yes, that's real life. But my hope is always that to get enough engagement and interaction with the players such that they're invested enough that it's like, oh, it's like my favorite TV show. I don't want to miss this. I want to, I want to take this to the next level. It's interesting that the... the... The, the document that's currently being put together by Elbram um, strikes me as being a really, really good solution. Yeah. Because... A shared if, character notes. Yeah. For sure. Because it means that anyone can come along and can go through and read it. And if it's well done... Yeah. Rather than just like the... No- I write notes in four-word sentences. Yeah. If you take that and expand on that and yep. then build it into a document like this, yep. then you can come in like the new player has... Yep. Look back at the last three or four sessions yep. and get a feel for where you are. Yep. As, a, as a concept, I quite like the idea of being able to yep. do that. Well, and this is the thing too, like I was thinking with this new player. So I, I wanted the fifth player as an option for when people's real life became an issue yeah. because otherwise, without that fifth player, we would have just had two today, which would have meant cancellation. Yeah, that, yes. So at least with three there, we could keep going. And, and that's why one of the big reasons and my thinking of his backstory... How do I bring him into the pyramid in a place that makes sense that you guys should be going to? So my, my thinking was, okay, you guys are at the obelisk. You need to figure out how, where, how to open up the obelisk. And I, originally I was thinking I was going to have him be in the center of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, if I do that. Take forever for us I to mean, find him. Yeah, you won't find him in this episode. Yeah. So I was like, well, where else can I put him? Where do you guys need to go? And I was like, oh, well, you guys are eventually going to need to get those bloody discs. Yeah. So you, you went back and you went to the sarcophagus. And I was like, oh, shit, they're going to go there first. And, so, and that was fine because there was a key there and you needed to find one of those yeah. keys. So that went by and, and I didn't want to draw that out. So there was four encounters within each sarcophagus had a swarm of scarabs encounter, which at this point with your guys' level is just pathetically easy. Yeah. So I had the, the first two swarms be, let's roll this out. But the last two, I was just like, we're just going to roll some D20s and we're going to see, do you guys get damaged or not? And that's, that's that. We're not going to draw this out. And I think in terms of being a DM and running a game, yeah. that was a, exactly the right decision. And it actually went through my mind as to say, can we please open the other two sarcophagus as to do whatever has to be done to make it happen? Because yep. if, if most other DMs would actually have played that out. Yeah. And that just was almost would have been just a complete it's a waste, a waste of, time. of time. Yeah, the idea was let you know that you you were very aware that the swarms were in there. So here's yeah. the consequence: you guys can. It was a cakewalk, really. Yeah. But I mean, there's still the possibility that you guys could do something really stupid. And each when you were like with the second one, I'm going to put my dagger in and do this stuff. It was like, okay, this is good. I mean, you guys are yeah. thinking this out how to do stuff better. So. Each one you're going to do progressively better and be progressively in a less of a chance of doing something stupid that's going to get you guys hurt. So, yeah. I mean, that was the whole point of, yeah. of that. But, yeah, by the last two, I was just like, let's just roll. Everybody roll a D20. And then I just had the, the creatures roll a D20. And then based on your guys' overall roll against its overall roll, either you killed it outright or it did some minuscule damage. damage. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that, I think that went over quick. And then you guys found the key, at which point it was, okay, now, days. what do we got to Let's go to the treasure room. We, we didn't find it here. You guys were expecting to find something, and I knew that y- you were aware of, okay, I know there's, there's discs involved here, but it's changed a I little bit. I wasn't actually... I, the discs thing... I've completely lost at the obelisk stage because none of that is coming back to me. Oh, the really? Fact, the fact that it sinks into the floor, 
I know. Yeah. But nothing else. And the discs, yes, I know the discs are involved, but I have no idea where. And I do know that the discs is obvious. So wherever <laughs> the disc connection is, it's obvious there is a fish and a lion and a scarab, scarab and whatever. Yeah. And but I cannot for the life of me remember. I, I just had a good where kick. it where it where well, it kicks in. And the thing is, is last the last time around, I I had you guys just inserted them, and there was a fish and a fish, and there was this and this. Now it's more obscure. You've got to figure out something, something about that. And then you guys just inserted it, and then things just happened. Now it's not just that. There's a few thing other things, and I'm not going to make it that easy. I can say out of character because you're not going to be around mm. that. Elbrum said some of the right things, but you guys just didn't actualize what he said. Yeah. He you was know, talking you about put, you know, you put, put it in the, the right place and, and it hold it. it. They fell yeah. off. And then you were like, I'm going to try each disc. And you put each disc in, but every time you, you yeah. put it in and let go, it fell off. And I get the feeling that you guys are all like, they should just stay in place. And Elbrum said, well, maybe we got to hold should, them in place. Yeah. And I was just like. But it, it's mm-hmm, the connection mm-hmm. between the four discs and their yeah. locations that I've. It doesn't make sense yep. to me, yep. and that's the bit that I can't get. Yep. So, and and that's and and that's just like the things of uh, to me. It's like, well, how do you figure this out? And at some point, you guys have really need. Th- this is where we have skills. I am a very intelligent person, maybe not yeah. in real life, but in in the session, you know what skills. And I can't always give it away because I I did give away right. quite a few things. Like in prep up, uh, instead of you guys going back and checking your notes to read what the keys said. Mm. And yeah. what some of these other inscriptions that you found said, you know, I just very, here you go. Yeah. This is what they said, is, reminding yeah. you guys this of all this stuff history. so that yeah. you can draw some of these relationships. But I was really waiting for someone to come up with, okay, can I do, so like, for example, the new guy. So at this point, okay, I guess we got to go back a bit. You guys were heading to the treasure room. And as you're heading to the treasure room, you noticed that there was flickering light in the hallway where you weren't expecting it. Mm. And it was in the room where the Tuscali hole was. Yep. And so this is going to relate to the obelisk in just a second. But you guys had Thoran, who was the sneakiest one of you, the big minotaur, go and take a look. And he tells you that there's some guy sleeping beside the Tuscali hole yep. uh, who looks really disheveled. I think that's yep. the word. Disheveled. Yep. So you guys all came running in. And I was like, yeah, okay, what's his passive perception? And, you know, here's something, you know, this, this is one of those things about how young of a DM I am. Because... I gave him, we did hit his rolls, and, you know, we do the, the Matt Colville rolling thing where you, two stats must be above 15. Did that all in Discord. I, in my mind, I never realized that if you choose the human race, you can add one to one every to one of your stats. Yeah. And for some reason, I thought it was just you added two to one of your stats. And I, 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 I don't know why that never sunk in. And all of a sudden, I was looking at his stats. I was like, oh, God, is this guy going to be a power gamer? And then I was just like, Oh, shit. So he's level four, so he gets the, the ability score increased with level four. Yeah. And then he added plus one to all the stats. And all of a sudden now, his his stat average yeah. is 92, which is just... Pfft. So his perception was really That's high. That's good. Yeah. Yep. So I was thinking... I was fully expecting him to wake up as you guys came running in. But no, you guys rolled extremely well. As a group, your your yeah. stealth rolls were really high. So you, yeah, you, you surrounded him. And... You're looking there, and, and then you tried to do something where I was like, okay, to do that, you wanted to um, see if he's drunk or something like this. Yeah. So I had you go in close, and, and at that point, you failed on a roll, and it caused him to wake up. Yeah. And, and he was he was wearing crimson nib stuff. So. Yeah, that was... So, 
that I was it. That's a dead set giveaway. This yeah, player has it, got no worldly experience about yeah. anything. I, I um, loved how that turned out because you guys were just like, like Crimson Nib. Oh, he, and he, and he, you guys he, are all aware of what Crimson Nibs means from the whole Oraki yeah. fiasco. And so you completely <laughs> disregard who he is because yeah, he's mean, wearing this stuff. If you're wearing that, it's a complete, you know, dead set giveaway. I mean, it's yeah. just like wearing, I don't know, yeah. a bikini to visit the Pope. Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. Well, and this was no probably idea. halfway through our session by the time you yeah. guys met him. And I, I was really concerned. We'd already gone through an hour and a half and he hadn't had a chance to get in. But, you know, after after it, he, he basically sent me a message and said this was very, very fun. So uh, he didn't mind yeah. missing. But at that point, he got a chance now to introduce himself and he was using a voice. Yes. So love that. And uh, yeah, it was the weirdest English American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, Americans yeah. can't do English voices. Mm. But he had a good shot at it. So that was yeah, fun. He had a good shot. But I, I just had a good kick. You guys find this guy, start having communication with him. And then, all right, let's. Screw it. We got to go to this treasure room. Let's go and, and check this out. We got to find these discs. And so all of a sudden, he's just he's just a member, and you guys yep. didn't really delve too much into what the hell is he doing here. No, I think. And again, if you put it in the context of where we are, we're not here because we want to be here. We're here because Elbrum wants to be here. And yeah, survival again sits way above anything else. Just getting out alive. Yeah. That's the aim of the game. Yeah. So if he's one more person that can help us get out alive. That's a great thing. And if yeah. he dies in the process and we get alive, that's fine. Yeah. It actually strikes me as being a lot like the recent spate of World War Two movies where the reinforcements come up from the back yeah. and they're cannon fodder. And if they last for the first month or two, they get to become part of the group. And if they don't make it, well, yeah, no so, one's going to... You're not a so friend until you've survived a couple of episodes. He's so he's actually fodder, cannon so fodder until... He comes up from the Tuscully Hall wearing yeah. crimson nib gear. So yeah, okay, you're... Fodder. Yeah, so if it's a, yeah, you're cannon fodder until you go yeah. in there and, and see if there's anything. Yeah, in there, and if, if you die, we're not going to lose too much sleep over you. We'll figure that's okay. And if you if you make it through to the next, you know, next three weeks, then yeah, you can stay. Yeah, well, it's uh, good. I, I mean, I I did enjoy. I thought that that turned out well. And then then it became the question of how long was it going to take you guys to search through? I mean, it's not a, a large room. I think it was fifteen feet by yeah. thirty feet, so it's, yep. fair sized. And you've got to sift through, I think I said it was almost waist-deep yeah. uh, sand Bam. that was inside there to try to see if you can find something. But the good thing was is when you found, his name was Kalen, when you found him inside that room, you actually found three discs with symbols yeah. on them. And through the sand, you found the fourth disc. And so you had the four discs, at which point you went back there and you tried to figure it out and you tried. Didn't work. And each time you put them inside one of the depressions, they fit perfectly, but when you uh, let it go, they fell out. And so at one point, you were just like, have I seen anything like this? And I know earlier in the session, you went into the room with the, the, the circular depression that was pot-marked, And yeah. you went in there, you seen a couple of urns, you looked at the urns, but at no point had you said, I want to investigate this room. So I just, I, I did take that no, literal. That's, yeah, that's... And so you investigated the urns as best as you could. You found yeah. nothing out about it. But this time, you're, you guys are just racking your brains. And I, at one point, I did describe to you guys, you'd been in this room, you'd been in this room, you found this and this and this to try to give you guys an idea of, okay, well, what's in each of these rooms? Where do we need to go? Because it seemed like you guys were getting really lost. So as a GM, I tried to, outside of rolling history checks, yeah. just give you guys, okay, this is what and I think. In- that, and I think that, that's, that that became part of the issue is that yeah. 
because it's all verbal. Yeah. If you if you miss something, and then it's gone, and you and you won't see it again. Where yeah. if it was visual, you would be able to look at it and say, "I can see the floor." Of the, yeah, yeah. That, well, if and, if and, everything and was said, oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, and this was and, the and thing. And again, is... I think what you did was exactly the right thing to do. The scenario that occurs is that the DM just sits there and goes, "They haven't seen it. They haven't seen," it, and continues to go down that path until you ask me the right question. I am not going to give you the answer. Yeah. In which case, the frustration level with the players builds. Then eventually the DM sitting there going, well, you know, I'm doing the right thing, yep. and the whole game just explodes on itself. Yep. I think there's that that what you did today is exactly how it should be done. We've we've been there, we've read... looked at the room, we don't, we didn't, we didn't see it, we didn't get it. Yep. The game either stalls and dies, or yep. something has to change. Yep. In much the same way that when Elbram said that he has to stay there, it was clear that this is we have to stay because if we don't stay, the game. Well, disassembles itself. And and there's some some other things too like some some of the things that I don't intentionally do is on the battle maps is like if you decide and you put down in a in a room and you put down a carpet everybody knows. It's just you see a carpet everybody's like I lift up the carpet. Oh, yeah. a trapdoor, how obvious. Yeah. And so when I was rechoosing the battle map instead of the original from from the module, I didn't want to put in like I remember thinking, oh, there's a circular depression. I kept most of the descriptions to be exactly as in the original module, mm. but I did change a few things, and I didn't want to put down certain things that I thought made it ridiculously obvious that there was something hidden there, yeah. right? And a rug, every I mean, the rug is one of those things that everybody it's just a knows. Yeah. It's a complete giveaway, and now I'm starting to think, you know, actually, perhaps that's. I need to keep that in there. Maybe I, I didn't put it in the battle map because on a battle map, it's a dead giveaway, but maybe it's something I should keep inside the description and it's just an amount of have the people listened. And I, I don't know. It's a toss-up. I think, well, look, out of this particular session, there was the, you know, there's an urn in front of you. It's taller than you are. Climb up and look inside. No, of course not. Just lay the thing over. I mean, that's... Until this one fell over and broke, it was like, why would we even consider doing that? Yes, the yeah. obvious thing was to lay it over. And in this scenario, when you lay over the urn, you uncover the, the trap door. Yeah. It, it would have happened anyway, just by the... At the, some point, yeah. At some point anyway. Yeah. And again, I think you look back at it and go, this was a save. This was something that actually worked, so that's fine. Yeah. Should you always expect the players to say explicitly, I search this room? I, I do use passive perception a lot. And mm. in, in finding this trap door... Your guys' passive perceptions was not enough. And in this particular case, you the room wasn't locked. Rackham had opened it up, and you guys were just checking it in. And the previous yeah. session, Nakwa, Nakwa had explained that uh, she thought it was used for handling venom, which explained the pit marks or acid or something that explained yeah. the pit marks. But there was nothing in any of those descriptions that would clue you into, okay, should I try to find something else? And, and, and logic would turn around and say, if the two of them have been there for the last three days... Yeah. And they haven't found anything yep. in rooms that they've been into and been living in. Yep. Then there shouldn't be anything there. So our yep. approach to that room would be a lot less rigorous yep. than than what we would normally do. Yeah. Go well, they've been here. They would have searched the place high and low. Yep. If they didn't find it, we won't. Uh, well, and the thing is too is, I, and this is where again where I was saying is, if I went in there and I said, "Oh, there is a zebra skin rug in the corner." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, chances are you would have clicked on that because i know that anytime i played and yep. it's not that i play a lot but I, i've seen i was in one session with a as a player and the dm he put it in a room and this room was full he had like bed desk chairs yep. little laboratory set up there 
and underneath the desk was a rug. And I was just like, oh, yeah, move the desk and look under the rug. Under the rug, yeah. It's just, I have no idea why my thought process was that way. Or, or in the other session, the guy said, there's, there's thrones there. Yeah, I'm going to sit in the thrones. I'm, yeah. I, I don't know why. It just seems, that seems like a logical thing to do. Hmm. And so that's that. Perhaps that's what I need to stick to in some cases. Is that I, yes, some of these things are are empty battle maps, and maybe drop some tokens on to to give you guys clues. Blatant I don't clues. Know. Oh no, I, I I think we just keep going as we are. You yeah. know, it, it, from where we are now, and we've gone, we we picked up the trapdoor and gone downstairs, where we've been confronted with a great big door that's got three keyholes in it. We yep. know, And we're carrying two keys. Yep. And we know where the third key is. The third key is on the top of the obelisk in the level up. Yep. So we know that we've got to get it. So it means we have to solve the problem. We know what we're looking for. We will keep walking through this. Yep. Uh, so you've place, got two problems now. Trying not to die. But we, all, but we know, really, that unless we solve the obelisk problem, we're never going to get the second key. We're yep. never going to get the doors open. Yep. That, that's just it. Like, I thought quite a bit, like, can can this thing be picked? Should I allow this to be picked? And I was like, there's two problems. There's no. solving the obelisk problem and then solving the key problem. Yeah. And you guys have got, I think, enough information that you should be able to figure this stuff out. Yeah. So uh, That's right. I- I'll and, leave and, that and let you guys do that. And if you'd, if you'd allowed the lock to be picked, yeah. then at the end of this particular session yep. inside the pyramid, yep. we'd all be sitting there saying, oh, we were so close. And a bit more time, a bit more thought, we would have figured out the answer. Yep. So as a pl- from a player point of view, there would have been a level of, oh, it was given away too easy. Yeah, yeah. It should have hung out a bit longer. Yeah. And I think that when you look across this team of players, we will hang out and we will get frustrated and we will try and think about it. But I, th- I think it, it's, it's at that stage of we would rather see a session cut short yeah. And instead of going for three hours to go for two hours and then have a week to come back and have another crack at it after two hours. Yeah. If you didn't solve it after that, then, yeah, give us the answer. Yeah. I'm, I think these this team of players, these people are not of that ilk of, I have to solve the problem within 15 minutes so I can go and kill something else. Yeah. Well, that and, and I mean, there's the other type who are, they just live for the puzzles and they just want to. It's really about... I, now, there's no visual aid on me being able to read your guys' body language. I've totally got to go off of by what I can hear through our audio session and being able yeah. to read from that and be like, okay, I need to give a little bit more because it seems like they're getting frustrated or lost or yeah. just running around headless. Yeah. But, yeah, so you guys got to the doors and you couldn't get it open. And so then you guys... Well, let's but keep we have, down but the we have made, But we have made the connection, haven't we? we? We now know that there's the connection. We know that we have the four discs that we need. Yep. We know that if the four discs don't go somewhere else, then they clearly go where the obelisk is. We know that we know the dagger's up there, and we can assume that the dagger... The, the two objects that Cobal had... Three objects. Was, three objects of power. Was it? I thought it was two. Yeah, there was the rod, the rod of Cobal, yeah. the scarab of Rebirth, yeah. And so Hazi wanted you guys, he, he told you guys about the rod. Yeah. You know that, that Thoran knows about all three objects and he wants to destroy them. So yeah, the rod, the scarab, we, and uh, the hand of did glory. Did we get given that Thoran wants to destroy them? Yeah, Thoran mentioned that in, in last session. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I must have missed that bit. 
Yeah, it's one of those the things. I, I chatted to him about good audio connections and be patient because if the guys can't quite understand, yeah, he's like, no, it's all it's all good, it's all good. Okay. But he's he it'll take some time for him to to pick yeah. up and get more involved. But still, at the end, he, he, so you guys were yeah, I, I was sitting there, and you guys were trying to pick it, and then all of a sudden, Calidus was like, oh shit, we know where the third key is. Just yeah. to go at the top of the obelisk. Let's we got to get that third key. Yep, and then it's like. Oh man, we re- you, you really need to solve the bloody obelisk now. So. Yeah, but it, but I mean, and the thing about that then it does it, it it shifts everything because as as a group we don't have any concerns about walking away from things that we can't solve or things that are going to kill us. I mean, yep. and that's become obvious over time. We are not at all selective about yep. that kind of stuff. And in this particular scenario, then yeah, that that option has almost been taken away from us. Yeah. We now know that we have to solve the obelisk problem to get the key. We also know that where we are now, we are not really in any danger from anything except the Toscali because there's nothing else within the area that we searched. Yep. So provided the Toscali don't although, come out of the hole. Although, just at the end of the session, you did trigger another trap. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, yes. Apart from that, yeah. <laughs> but again, when you look at that trap, that's, yeah, that's a trap more than a creature. Yep. So it's not something that's going to come after us. It's a trap if we escape and I, the trap. I, I, we're I okay. love that you were just like, I wanted an arcana check and trying to yeah, determine yeah. if this thing was alive. And then you triggered it and you were like, shouldn't I notice this? Shouldn't I notice this? Is... No. Well, again, and then, then again, this comes back to being a crap player yeah. um, in not recognizing that what I was doing. And it's interesting. We should actually talk about that because there's, there's a series of interesting things come out yeah. of this. Calidus is 40, 50 feet away from yeah. an object. Yep. Yeah. At the end of a hallway, yep. It your dark vision is messed up because there's yep. a couple of light sources in place. But I can see quite clearly that it's a statue of a yep. lion with wings. Yep. My concern is that this thing's and and I we are in a hallway that's littered with bones. Yep. And my concern is that this thing is going to transform itself from a stone statue, fly down the hallway, and devour me. Except which is see the, now, which he, is the, which is a perfectly reasonable I, assumption to I to come to. I thought the way I explained this was. So Kalen went in there, and I said the floor was covered in stones. And he started going in, and he did pick up enough to say, well, what kind of stones? And then he looked at it, and he couldn't quite tell. He was really tired and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he rolled shit is what it comes yeah. down to. So, I mean, he just escaped the Tuscali, so he's tired. So you came in, and you did an investigation, and you figured out that, oh, these are not stones. This is crushed bones. Yeah. And I tried to enunciate the word crushed. Because I wanted you guys to pick up on that. And from what you said, clearly you didn't pick up on that because you're thinking, okay, statue comes to life and these are the bones that are left after the the, the lion had gnawed on the people. Where yeah. I was really trying to paint the picture of they're crushed. They're kind of like powder yeah. in your hands. Yeah. And make it like, well, what the hell would crush bones like that? Yeah. Well, now you know. Again, it's it, a, it's yeah, a juggernaut. We, we now, yeah, we now know what it is. Yeah. Um. And but we go back to that that scenario at forty feet, trying to figure out if this thing is going to come to life. Yep. I thought an arcana check is right. Clearly, total misunderstanding of what arcana checks do. Yeah. And the other interesting thing about it is that at that distance, an investigation check or perception check isn't going to work. Yeah, it's just too far away. That's right. And so, this brings a, another point into the all the stuff that we do, and that is that reinforcing that if you do an investigation check in a room that's 100 feet by 100 feet, don't expect to find anything. 
but a lot of DMs will let you find everything. They will let you oh. see the needle sitting in the far corner. Yeah. Well, I mean, which to, you would never see, and that's it. Really comes down to like this is why, like, if it is a hundred foot by hundred foot room, I mean, the players really need to be specific. If it's this like a ten foot room by a ten foot room, I'm just going to investigate this room and try, try to find a trap or something like this. Yeah. Well, that might not be a trap, but there's a door there, and you found the door. Fine, yeah. of course. You don't need to say I'm going to search the left wall, the right wall, the south wall, blah 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 blah. No. I'm going to search the floor and how. I mean, that's getting just too tedious. I mean, that's just way too tedious. But, you know, yes, if you're 50 feet down the hallway, it's dark. You've got a light source here and a light source here, both messing with your dark vision. Yes, you can see that there is a statue at the end. But the pressure plate that triggered the trap getting released, I was tr- I, I tried to very clearly try to say that there's an, there was this amount of, of crushed bones on the floor that it mm. was not at your ankles, but, you know, almost covering your feet. So the point to me was, was that you... A, tw- a, 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 a roll of a 20 would not be enough to be able to see that there's a pressure plate yeah, under this much crushed bone. Yeah, you would never have seen it. That's right. The only way you would have seen it is if you specifically said, oh, geez, yeah, I'm going to blah, 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 blah. I'm going to sweep Great it aside. About, yeah. And and the funny thing is, is the interesting thing is that in the previous campaign, this time you guys were coming in from the other direction. So you accounted the door and you were able to open the door. Yeah. If you came from the other direction... The door. Uh, the door is locked. Yep. And in a previous campaign, Jenny came into that hallway. When she came into that hallway, what did she do? As a tabaxi, she was just like, ooh, I don't like this. So she went up and scaled the wall because yeah. she's got the, the climbing ability as a tabaxi. And she just went, do 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 you know. And her, it rolled underneath. Yeah, she, well, she she basically call, went down the hallway basically at the top oh, of the, at, oh, by okay. the ceiling, never touching the floor. And I was yeah. just well, good, good on him. It was, it was a really good way to get yeah. by that, right? So did he know that there was something there? I, I have no idea. I mean, it, it's something that maybe Jenny would have known, uh, looked ahead to figure out. But either which way, I, I, th- I thought this turned out really, really well. And I did like how you're <laughs> at the beginning, you're like, ah, is my arcana check like a detect magic? No, no it's not a detect magic at all. It, this, actually, this actually opens up an interesting point, which is that we are all in the hallway, Yep. And this object is coming towards us. Yep. We've rolled for initiative. Yep. Which means that we will move before the object or the object will move before us. Yep. But in the real world, we'd all be moving together. Yep. So if the object has the higher initiative, yep. it could roll straight over the top of us. Yep. And And so in terms of how the game is played... Yep. This then becomes, uh, you know, especially how, how when the door is locked, work? right? Because if the door is locked, what are you going to do when this thing is? It, it, it takes up the entire hallway coming down. Yeah. Now you completely understand why all this stuff is crushed. But yeah. as it happens, because you've come from the other way, the door's not locked for you anymore. Yeah, but I'm just thinking of it in yeah. terms of just the mechanics, in terms of turn yeah. order and covering distance. Yeah. If the object can move sixty feet and we can move thirty feet, then it will eventually catch us. Yeah. And it might be that it catches us just as we're about to go through the door. And the only reason it caught us was because it's a, its initiative is one yeah. step higher than us. Or, well, I mean, even if it isn't, like the, the fact is is yeah. that if uh, triggering it causes it, it, it to move 10 feet, all of a sudden your, your regress through the, the place where the portocollis was is gone. So at that point, you've got to get down to the end of the hallway, and you can clearly move faster than it. So can hmm. you move fast enough that you can do enough checks at that locked door to get through that locked door before it finally gets there. And that hallway is 60 feet. 
And so if it's only moving 10 feet per round, yeah. you've got six rounds to try to get that door open. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm just thinking not so much this specific scenario. What I'm trying to highlight here is the, yeah. the mechanics of the game and how it's possible that an, inan an, an inanimate object yes. that you see coming at you is going to kill you. Yeah simply because the mechanics of the game allow it to. Yeah, well, and I, I had a, a trap like that before in this goblin-infested cave. They set up the yeah. classic Indiana Jones trap with a rolling yeah. boulder, yeah. and the guys triggered the trap, and it was, does the boulder move faster than they are, and what's its initiative? And so the boulder yeah. moved really, really fast because it was set up on tracks to, to move quickly, yep. but its initiative was, would, it was initiative 10, so if the guys rolled better, they could have the chance to get out of the way yep. before this, because this thing would then, once it got momentum going, it would outpace them. Mm. They lo they rolled lower, so they got smashed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the mechanics of the game can is is Sometimes certainly a the factor. Mechanics of the game, yeah. yeah. And that's when I guess the DM has to turn around and just go, yeah, okay, I'm just gonna yeah ad lib this one a bit. And, and the, the other thing too is, you're getting to a point where I I had hoped you guys would get to. But you're coming at it from the, the direction I didn't expect you to be coming at it from. I really expected you guys to solve the obelisk, the obelisk part because I had some other stuff planned to happen. And now you guys are coming in from the back. But I think I, I, I did good because at one point during the session, I hadn't planned to introduce something to Elbrum until you guys had gotten downstairs. Mm. But when you guys were in the treasure room and you just found uh, Kaylin, I was just like, I don't know if we're going to get downstairs. So I decided that I was going to introduce something that I hadn't planned on. And so all of a sudden now, while Sill is sitting on his shoulder, he's starting to see something. So yeah. there's a, an exp, an, something is definitely going on for him in, inside this pyramid that is relevant to who he is. So I, I needed to, which, I wanted to which, enforce which does that. Which does raise the possibility is as you play that one out, we could all just, he could find what he wants. We just leave without solving the, the, the yeah, without, yeah. Opening, well, that, the, that was without saying, opening I mean, the door and without solving the obelisk problem. Well, last week, that was exactly it. I, I was really sitting there thinking, ooh, this is, I had intended this to be a very relevant Elbrum backstory thing. And when you guys were like, we're going to leave, I was like, ooh. And that's why I said to him in a whispered thing, I was like, you've got this connection here. You, 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 both you and Syl, I mean, Syl is very anxious. She want, she's, she knows now that something's going on down there. And I whispered that to him, which, which is the point when you were out in there looking out at the, the giant scorpions who have circled mm -hmm. in the Kosi. This is what he was experiencing and feeling. And I was hoping that that was enough to get you guys to stay. And it did work. And I was like, oh. And, look, and the other thing is that we, we haven't explored the possibility of staying there and having a long rest. No, you haven't, which which surprises me because and, you've seen like I, I I figured that you guys have observed that these guys have had a tent set up and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. and up until now, this has been all about survival. So there yeah. is that there is the possibility of that of, of the whole idea of having a long rest because we now know that we're in a safe area. Yeah, we know there's nothing's going to come and get us because we've been everywhere. The yeah. only thing that can come and get us is the Hazi, is the Tuscali, or, or, or the Hazi coming yeah. in the front door. Yeah, yeah. but if if Hazi's going to and again. The Hazi thing you don't have to consider because Hazi's outside. We've got to go through Hazi regardless of what happens. Yeah. So well, and, and he, the thing he is, if he, either he comes in and gets us, or we meet him on the way out. Well, and I, I, I would think too that you guys have been like, well, you know that Hazi sent in the Knolls, and you know yeah. by talking with Rakum and Nagua that it's been at least three days. Yeah. 
and he didn't go in, but he happily sent you guys in. So what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I don't know that he happily sent us in. He he let well, us true, go true in. enough. He let you because yeah. you guys yeah. you guys did a bloody good job with persuading him that you were yeah. sent by Lady Alashra. Yeah. So he's let us go in, and I think that I mean, in, in, from the Hazi perspective, clearly he outpowers us ninety nine to one. Yep. So if we come out with anything, he's going to take it off us. And the um, other thing too, and is, he's got the thing. The whole pyramid is so yeah. well surrounded. Yeah. We have no exit point. I and, and the funny thing to me too is that I I know that you guys, when you came in, you found three dead gnolls, and Oraki was able to figure out that they were from Dabu. Later on, you guys met four gnolls. Yeah. Who ended up attacking you because they they were starving and and yeah. well they were just way too thirsty, and. Nar, who was their or Dar, who was their leader, had wanted to see your papers. He very clearly, you got the. I, I think you got the impression that he was working for Hazi. Yeah, yeah, he gave that away. And he, he gave that away when he asked. He told acolytes. you that he asked you if you guys had, had met the acolytes. Mm. Or had we bought the acolytes with us? Yes, that was it. Yeah. yeah. So we were under the impression that we should have come in with a, a bunch of acolytes. Yep. And now we see the two acolytes that we know know him. Yep. And so that, and there's been a parting of ways somewhere along the line. So, and and that's why I'm I'm, I'm curious because have you guys come to come to and drawn any conclusions as to why these three were dead, why these Dar was over there, and why the acolytes were over here? Have you have you tried to figure out any connections between any of that? No. And again, from, I, from I, what I can see, I haven't seen any connections drawn from any yeah, of that. Because again, I think we go back to the the situation we're in where we're when. Elbram said, come and come back into the pyramid. And our position is we are not in a fit state to go back in the pyramid. So right now we're thinking about survival rather than yep. thinking about anything else. So all of these other things that, that are happening around us, will, they will be very much like the time it took to discover whether, th- realise where the third key is. You know, we rummaged around, we tried to pick the lock and then all of a sudden the penny drops, hang on a minute, we've been doing this for... 20 minutes, the, the key's in the top of the, the obelisk. We are not thinking at all about all of this other intricacy. Yep, yep. We're thinking about surviving until Elrum gets what he wants so that we can get out in yep. one piece. Yeah. So why this lot are as they are, we don't know. And again, he's got his shark skeleton set up so that probably the other guys couldn't get to him. That would make perfect sense. Yep. Why they split up, we don't know. And we get the impression from the way that Rackham behaves, that he's as dodgy as all the rest of them anyway, and would slit our throats at the drop of a hat. So, I, 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 I so sit there and nothing. I'm just like, is it his voice that gives you that impression? Because I was just like, it is, has, what have voice. I done that gave you guys well, that two, impression two, about there's him? There's two things. The voice, yeah. which is harsh and short, and, yeah. the, and well, a couple of things. The way he speaks. Yeah. So nothing that he says is inviting. That in Nothing that he says even looks like he's trying to engage in, in uh, a conversation. Uh, Everything that he says is about him getting what he wants. Hmm. So you've got that pile of stuff. He wants to go down the downstairs I, first. Again, it, it, you've got this. He's going off to get what he wants. Yeah. So, well, one thing. My attitude. Yeah. yeah fine. Rush ahead. Die yeah. before the rest of us. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. So when you look at how we behave to character that we found today he's wearing yeah. crimson nib gear <laughs> we immediately le- leaped the uh, the impression that okay he can't be bad because he's wearing rubbish 
Yeah. So therefore, he has to be a good guy, and it's a reasonable assumption to make. Yeah. But when we when we saw the shark skeleton, we meet. Rakim. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, and, and we also get the impression too that while Rakim's hard, the his female companion is not yeah. soft. The way that she speaks and the way that she forms her sentences, yeah. she is someone who is showing empathy, yeah, and understanding for what it is that we're doing, yeah. and, and this and where we are, yeah. So when today she was asked, "Come with us while we go and explore further down yeah. there," the way that she responded was to say. Look, I understand that you're not well, and I understand that you might need help, but I I need to stay here with Rakim, yeah, because he's my protector and overlord, and so on and so on and so on. <laughs> so you, so I, I, the two, so it, so what you're doing is you've yeah. taken two characters yeah. that are completely opposites of each other, yeah, and that's what we see. We see the two yeah. characters, one with empathy, and and one that is, yeah, it's interesting because like I sit there and I think I know that Nagwa loves Rakim, yep, and I know that. Rackham is in there to find the objects of power because yep. he wants to to make he doesn't want Hazi to have them. Yep. Now, why did Hazi send him in? I hope you guys can draw conclusions from that and stuff like this. But yeah, when I when I I never thought that I, I specifically remember sitting there thinking, well, how is his voice going to sound? And I was like, how am I going to get his voice? And I was like, I want him to slur his s's, but how do I I change it? So I stick out my bottom jaw. And I try intentionally to make his S's sound that way. So I thought, but I didn't actually think that I was, I, I, I'm actually surprised then with myself that it came across that way because I didn't actually think that I was moving in in that direction. But I guess, you know, when you, when you do try to put yourself into the NPC's shoes and what their motivations are, uh, perhaps just be, by doing that in and of itself and by giving it a voice, that's what comes across, uh, which is a surprise because that's if you very actually, interesting. If, if you if you roll back on this, yeah. and if you were to take out the harshness of the voice, yeah, but still come up with the short, chopped off sentences, yeah, it would still have delivered the the same impression. The yeah. voice adds like another hundred percent to it to make yeah. it even more aggressive and more selfish, yeah. and more narcissistic. Well, I, I, I thought too that it, because I know. Elbrum did do a detect magic early on when you guys came into yeah. that area, and he did very, very well with the detect magic and and with the Arcana check. So what I do with Arcana is, if you are holding something and it's magical, you might get a. It's not a detect magic from the point of view of you know very clearly with detect magic you sense that there's an aura here and you know what school of magic it is. When you're doing Arcana and you're you're getting a feel for it, like there might be certain things about it that just very clearly clue you into it. So at times when I say you reach out with your senses, I'm not meaning, uh, maybe that's my, my bad way of describing it, but I'm not meaning that magically you get a magical sense for it. It is this that the things that you have learned and know about your education or what you've known and experienced with magic gives you that ability to identify it. So he came in, he did a detect magic. I had him do an arcana check to make sure that he knew clearly what school it was. So he knew mm. that there was magic. He came into that room where Rackham and Nagwa were, and he did that thing. And so very clearly he knew that Rackham was a necromancer, and he knew that Nagwa was the same as or- Oraki and was a healer of sorts. So he knew that. But then he immediately drew the c- conclusion that necromancers are bad. And so he, he, he did mention that to Rackham today. He was like, yeah. necromancers are bad. And then 
I was just like, as Rackham, I was like, what, what do you mean? Why are we bad? I mean, <sighs> look at all the undead in Perbastet. That's not a bad thing. Everybody accepts that. And then I, I had a, 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 a good chuckle as Elbrum tried to explain the, the difference between those skeletons in the hallway compared to the, the loyal dead of yes. Perbastet, which was, which was good. I thought it was... Uh, I, yeah. All the time, Elbrum's a, is a good player. He's he is. He, he, he keeps keeps himself he keeps himself in, in character, and I think that's a lot. I mean, there's something to be said about really. I don't know what it is, or what you have to do in order to get yourself to be in character, but he does it well. I mean, Oraki does it well, and I think part of how Oraki does it is because she she uses that voice. I think that mm-hmm. helps put her in character too. So that I think, all, I think he also. Prefaces when he goes out of character. Um, yeah, I mean he does. Everyone he certainly does. does that. And he so, always makes sure to say, yeah. "Yeah, out of character." Yeah. Or he'll be like, "Okay, question for the DM here." Yeah. And but that's really not often. So, all in all, it was. I liked it today's session. It was. It was a good session, even though Oraki wasn't there and Thoran wasn't there. Just with the three of you guys, but it does. It, it does. Feels... It really does reinforce the five player thing, doesn't it? Well, especially and, and, because and until we get to a five player session, yeah. we won't. We won't know whether it's uh, whether there's a downside to it or not. Well, and there's. But the thing is, too, is is the more minds that are there, the better chance of you guys being able to solve problems. But yeah. the more minds you have as well, the less chance you have to role play. And to me, not being able to role play, I, I just don't have fun when there's six people because it's just like it's not it's not about sharing uh, maybe it is about sharing the spotlight maybe that's part of it stepping back because you know you want someone else to to have a chance but i mean just being in there and just being like hey they this this group although we haven't seen the the two new players so far but the the players that have been there before when there's been four of us playing there's an intuitive spotlight Thing where we we tend to step out of the spotlight, which Elbrum, yeah, you can you can see Elbrum do yeah. it. Yeah, Elbrum will be playing along merrily, and then he will just step out. Yeah, and then let someone else. Yeah, pick up I, where... I, I have to admit too, like I had some very clear ideas for his pixie familiar, and again, a pixie is not a a, a normal familiar. Normally, you can get a sprite, mm. and I specifically wanted to do a stripped down pixie, and 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 at the beginning, it was just because. My daughter loves Tinkerbell, and so that that's where originally I was thinking, yeah, Pixie would be cooler, and so let's do a stripped-down Pixie. But Silhouette has certainly grown on me, and I've I've started to see a lot more uh, ideas about who she is and what how that ties into the backstory of Elbrum. And what's really interesting now is he seems to be empathizing with that, and he is now picking up the playing of Silhouette and doing a really good part in terms of, yeah, that's what I would have done too. So yeah, it's yeah. it's it's an enjoyable group. It's it's certainly making me wonder because it means that my chances of coming back as Daryl have, have slightly improved now, or significantly improved. <laughs> so I can now just play Daryl. <laughs> and you and that's just the thing. Where did Daryl go? What is up with Daryl? Yeah. And I I I want Daryl to come back. You, yeah. I I know how. To I get, know where Daryl is. And I, I know how to get. Maybe Darryl. you maybe you guys will find him again. That'll be interesting. Uh, Daryl will come back. I just have to die. <laughs> so, the one, you, one way to get Daryl yeah, back you, is to you die. die and then yeah reincarnate you in the body of Daryl and then you realize no, no, where Daryl I'm just going to come back as just a straight Daryl that's it and, yeah. but you're just going to come back as Daryl but uh, in where Daryl is currently and then you'd be like oh god this is what 
This is what Dagobah had planned for Daryl. Shoot. <laughs> Wherever Daryl is, Daryl will be resurrected. and He'll come back to the house. And then he will just be a, a minion for the, for the crew. He'll, oh. he'll carry objects and stay out of the road and, and freak out when things... He'll actually do a, a similar sort of thing to Silhouette. Just like, you know, <laughs> just be it, it, it'll, it'll all it'll all turn to crap, and he'll just uh, run no, and hide. No. Daryl, yeah. if you came back as Daryl, yeah. Mick needs to put out his voice for for his characters, and so I mean that's why Calidus does very non wizardly things, where he's just like, ah, you guys, I'm just going, yeah. and, and that's great. I mean, why not? I mean, at the end of the day, like the, the impatient, why wouldn't you be impatient? You know, you had a your character had a family of X amount of brothers and sisters, yeah. and they were all big, successful wizards and stuff like that. Pressure from your family, yeah. I mean, I could totally I see why Calidus would be impatient. Impatient is is more a bit like Mister Magoo, like the just the forgetful. Yeah, thing, with the, the know, real stones and whatnot. So you got the real stone. I mean, the real stone really is that. Like, just how can you keep forgetting? And who was it? It was the Nikosi that said. Yeah. You know, what the hell why you... do you let him have a real stone? What yeah. is wrong with you? For yeah. Yeah. Well, an interesting thing, too, is like I when I was sitting there thinking about bringing in the new guy, Callan, and trying to think, OK, how. So he gave me an idea of what his backstory was. And then I took that and I took it in a place that I don't think he expected it to go. And so I had a good kick out of that. But then I was I was, I was actually thinking of tying his backstory into not your real stone, mm. but what is real. And I was like, ah, yeah, that just weaves way too much into Calidus. So uh, I was got to find and, something and else. from where you are, doesn't that just link you straight back into the Black Sultan and we're yes. back into that, down that path yeah. again? Yep. But that, uh, and I don't think that you guys will, uh, if the real is still in your, your possession uh, at some point, the whole Black Sultan thing will not be something you guys can ignore. At some point, it's yeah. going to come back in, regardless of the fact that Asher the Barbarian is gone. It's still part of your guys' story. Yeah. And, and and that's in one of those other things where, you know, I remember reading up about the Vril Stone and be like, oh, yeah, that's neat. Never, ever really thinking it would become what it's become in our story and an accidental decision that's been very enjoyable. Yeah, it has been fun. Oh, I'm 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 liking the idea of getting Saber back online. For me, the the, the fact that Saber oh. Saber's buried in the bottom of a pyramid, but we know yep. that he's there, yep. and it's and it's it's quite possible that we can just go and get him and bring him back online. Yeah, like, we should be able to do that. We just need to know. Well, see, and the thing is, is within when... this setting, there's something called clockwork magic. Yeah, and so. clockwork magic is the reason why Gearforged exists, and that and and re, and realistically, clockwork magic. I think in terms of what Cobalt Press has published, I believe clockwork magic found its origin in Midgard, where that's where Kalen comes from. So when he was explaining where he's coming from, he he's from Midgard. He's not from yeah. the Southlands, so he's from a city in the Midgard. So. Well, there you go. You see, there's the connection. If we find another player, we can go, oh, yeah, Alan could go down there and poke around Saber's innards and poof, he's back to life again. Do you th- do you, so do you think you know what kind of character Kalen is? Like, do you have an idea of what class he is yet from, no, from it, the description? It, again, what You said he was human. We know he's human. You know he's human, but what class? No, we don't know. And, and again, 
it it really comes back to the we don't care mm. because right now we're in survival mode yeah rather than anything yeah. else and and we look and and from the description of him you see that he's physically well built yeah but there's and he's put on some armor so perhaps he's perhaps he's a fighter perhaps he's you know that's what yeah. he does yeah but but then again that's probably a, a long a fairly wild assumption to make given the yeah. circumstances to me I, I, the assumptions that I've drawn so far is that he's escaped from the Tuscali. Yep. One of two things has happened. He's either escaped from the Tuscali and crawled out of the hole, yep. and which is why he's collapsed next to it, or alternatively they spat him out. Now, I can't come up with any logical reason why they would spit him out, like why they would just throw a living well, creature and that, away. And I, this is where one of those things where I was like, wow, you guys just let him join so quick without actually... Because I really thought you would have drilled into him about... Well, who the hell are you? Okay, yes, clearly you're the new guy joining the party. We understand that, but well, who the hell are you? And again, we go back to this whole thing of yeah, survival first. We'll worry yeah. about you later. Yeah, and right now, if you're out the front, and that makes a lot of the, sense. You're the you're first right. one who's going right. to die. You're so, right. I mean, so that's okay. I I hadn't really thought of it from that point, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. From a survival point of view, it's like yeah, okay. Well, I mean, if you want to come along, take along, and yeah. let's and get we'll our... know, and we will know from what happens when we get the first encounter with something that's yeah. that requires strength or dexterity or yeah. magic or whatever. So if he flings out a spell and okay, the guy does magic. Do you um, if he heals us then that's great. But do you remember well. what you guys were doing before you went into the pyramid? We were going off to the Blood Lake. <laughs> that okay. was where we were going. Do you remember <laughs> what you told the captain of the Sandship? No, I'd have to go back and look at my notes about that. So uh, we had, you convinced you we, convinced we, with gold we, that yeah, the captain that the to captain stop to stop here at there, and and that was an was that an Elbram idea? Yep, yeah, it was an Elbram yep. idea. Yep, and yeah. it was your idea to to come as representatives of Lady Alashra, and then you put Elbram up on the pedestal as your as your oh, speaker. Yeah, that was, I mean, and again, that was not some plan. That was yep. just some instantaneous yep. thing of. We've got to get in. He's not going to get in. We need some yep. cock and bull story that we'll get yep. away with. So there was no... But you persuaded him. No, yeah. Not, so my was... question for you is, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what what conclusions was Hazi draw if you guys are now... It's 48 hours later. And you guys are just inspectors. Well, Hazzy... That's, that's what you convinced I mean, him you were. The, if, if I was Hazzy, the logical thing is that I've seen them go in, they have no provisions, they have no weapons, and clearly yeah. they don't have anyone that's got any strength with them. Yeah. So they're, if they go in there, and I would have thought from Hazzy's point of view, yeah. knowing that the other Knolls are in there yeah. and that they are on his side, yeah. he saw this as a fairly simple way of actually disposing of the problem. You go in there, the Knolls will kill you, they're my guys, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And when the bodies come out, you can when, when you know they come out, Look, I've retrieved the bodies of the people you've sent. Take them back to but Lady Alashra. I don't care. Yeah, but he's so he's, he's, he's got to be concerned that this Alashra is one of the top advisors for the city. And if you guys are, and he believes you so far, I mean, you yeah. came in on one of her sandships. But from his point of view now, he can turn around and say, well, they're dead. Yeah. Like, he can sit there and go, she, they're dead. And what does he do? Mm. And he, he, he either could, he could send back a message to say, oh, your people that you've sent are dead. But if you if you're dodgy, yeah, you, you you will stretch that out to the longest possible time, yeah. and then you will come up with some cock and bull story of well, you know, they went in there, they were gone for forty eight hours. We sent in a search party. The search yeah. party went in there for 
and they were gone for 48 hours. And then yeah. we seen in the second search party, and they found the first search party that was yeah. dead. That was another 48 hours. And all of a sudden, you've built up this two or three weeks of trying to find the people that were dead before you told Lady Alashra yeah. that they've gone, and you've made all the efforts to save her people. And so you've got a fairly... I don't. I didn't immediately run off and tell you that they've disappeared. I'd wait until we recovered the bodies. So well, he's in, he's in a fairly he's in a fairly convincing position in terms of Lady Alashra, yeah. even though the whole thing is a lie. Yeah, that he could stretch this thing out for yeah. at least a week. Yeah, and get away with it. So yeah. we and, we've been gone for two days. I if I was him, I'd be sitting there going, "Well, they went in there. They're dead." Yeah, and I'd also have gone to the conclusion I can probably stretch this out for a couple of weeks before I tell her. Yeah. And in a couple of weeks' time, if I haven't got what I want, then yep. I, one the one question that that about this that sort of doesn't really make any sense is that why he hasn't sent in an overwhelming force, given that he's got the overwhelming force there. Why he, question. Has, he hasn't sent that overwhelming force in there yep. to secure the place? Yep. And the only conclusion I can come up with is that it's because he wants to steal whatever is in there. But at some point in time, if he doesn't get the powerful items that he wants or doesn't make yep. an alliance with the Zaskali or doesn't make an alliance with Tobal, then he is going to have to turn around and, and go, well, I've just got to take the building by force, kill everything that's in there yep. and hope that Tobal doesn't rise up and kill me. So I read two things from what you said. The first thing is, is something that Rockham said didn't sink in to you guys? Yeah, that pretty much meaning not didn't a lot sink in. Like, and the, and the second thing. thing is, is that I, I ask this question specifically because I'm wondering that if remembering that you've been in this pyramid now. It's been, what, five sessions that we've been yeah. in? So that's five weeks, four five sessions. Weeks, yeah. yep. So I, I, I have to wonder then, because that much time has passed since you've been inside this pyramid in real life, are you guys still remembering why did we enter this pyramid in the first place? And if we have too long rests, what is that going to mean to whatever was going on outside, is it going to be impacted? I don't remember why we entered the, the pyramid. That goes back to when we got on the boat. Well, you so, went in the pyramid because and, exactly and what Elbrum was... Yeah, it goes back to for what Elbrum. Elbrum wanted to. Yeah, yeah Elbrum, Elbrum wanted to stop, so we went into the yeah, pyramid. Because we, talked, we talked our way in. Hoping, I gave Elbrum lots of again, foreshadowing that being yeah. in this pyramid was important to him. And from our point of view, going into the pyramid was just a way of picking up some loot or maybe something extra. So really, yeah. we, we entered the pyramid as a bunch of grave robbers more than yeah. anything else. You've have uh, managed to find quite a bit of gems, so that's yeah, one got thing. A few of those, yeah. Yep. But as as for the other stuff, no. And if Ruckham has said something, then I've missed it. Yep. But you can tell me now because by the time we get back to the next session, it won't be relevant. Because he what when he when he asked when he, you guys first met him, he asked if Hazi sent you and if you're more Kobolists. Did he? Oh, I didn't get that. So, implication being that Hazi is a Kobolist. Which means, well, we're trying to, we're going to wait. Uh, okay, so that means, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, we've missed that completely. I don't think anyone's got that one. Yeah. Yeah, and that does, yeah, okay. Well, that, that does present an issue because that means that Hazi is about to wake up the prophet of death. Or something. I mean, you don't know who, who, who is could, who, or who, what. who will walk across. <laughs> so all, all you know is what you guys just know, and I probably shouldn't have told you this, but at the end of the day, you knew that he was the leader of the GFA who cordoned, cordoned off the area Cordon of yeah. Aduasir yeah. for archaeological reasons. Yeah. That he is anything other than that. We suspect, I mean, the, the, the current thinking, I'm pretty sure, is that we think that he's just a crook and he's in there yes. to clean out whatever he can get. So he's That's up, right. He's after the money. He's, he's that, after the money. 
Yeah. Certainly not after the power. If we'd picked up on that one, then it would have been, yeah. And this is he, one of the things where... He is a guy where, that is going to... You know, I'm trying to say certain things by NPCs, but this is one of those things where time passes. We've only, yeah. We only play three hours per session, and it's, it's clear to me that through our conversations that certain little things that I throw in... They do get up. missed. They don't get it's picked up. It's interesting, though. I mean, and that's a, probably a good reason for doing this sort of this debriefing and having this conversation, is that it, other than the fact that it's incredibly interesting to see the two different perspectives of yeah. how it goes on, when you do get that feedback, it gives me insight think, on what I need to do yeah. in order to kind of reinforce certain things. Because if I let it fly, like, and, and clearly this is a key plot point for this whole exercise. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And, and so if this one goes through to the keeper and gets missed, then, mm. yeah, the whole thing just doesn't make sense. You know, yep. we, did, we didn't pick up on something we should have picked up. Yep. Yep. And yet, Elbrum still feels drawn to this pyramid. So if this is the pyramid of Cabal, and he's being drawn to it, yeah. what do you draw from that? Again, you look at that and go, yeah. And I won't give that bit away, because that, that's just giving no, away I too mean, much. No, I mean, just, he's just going to resurrect it as Cabal, and then we're going to have Elbrum in charge of the whole of Perbastet. And, yeah, and the... You That'll don't. You don't know. You don't know. And this is the interesting thing, and because it's the same thing, like Deuteronomy and the murder of Deuteronomy. There's a lot there, and all of this. You know, how does any of this tie back to the Tuscali, and does it tie back to the Tuscali? It's almost as though the whole Tuscali thing and our reason for any reasons that we had for doing anything have gone out the window. Well, it, and this it, is it's kind the, of like we've become guns for hire, and, and this we are is wandering why, from blund- uh, more more blundering from from one one disaster to the next and to the next and not disasters but like one encounter and one experience yep. to the next to the next and and in the in the string of events that are going on yep. the probability that we would where we are tie this whole thing together to me just seems so remote yeah. because there are so many different things that seem to be disconnected yeah but from from our point of view that's not an issue yep. because as it's very much like the key thing. When the penny drops, oh, we know where the key is. It, it, if we keep doing what we're doing, yep. then some of these other things, these other connections eventually get made. Yep. The Tuscali thing is a constant thread that goes through there. And as that goes on, until we find out if the Tuscali have allies or have enemies or yep. who's on whose side, yep. the whole issue about the fight that's going on at the upper echelons of government yep. within Perbastet, yep. all of that stuff seems to come out in scenarios where we're not trying to survive or, yep. or where we're just sort of wandering down the road, you get this little bit of information and you yep. go, oh, hang on, that, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And the other thing, though, that, that, that I use as a tool, and I guess probably the last thing before we wrap up, is introducing a new character because, like I was saying, when I was thinking of how to introduce Kaylin, originally I was, going to, uh, I was thinking about Vril, but then I was just like, I could tie him into the main plot and tying him into the main plot yep. would be good because it's always good to remind you guys what is your the driving force behind what why you first started out. So yeah. uh, that and that's kind of why I really thought that you guys would have asked a lot more questions when you found out that he'd exited from the 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 Tuscali mm-hmm. Hole. He's aware uh, and he's clearly uh, he. So you can tell his GM background because he hasn't revealed anything. And I and I I spoke to him okay, after. And, and the other thing about that too is that if, there are two ways of tying that together. One way is the that we ask the questions to find out more about him, 
And the other one is that he just simply reveals he's the daughter of Mesh Kennett, so he's a great and powerful <laughs> god anyway. And so he just sort of, as as the bond between us grows, yep. then he becomes the person that says, well, you know, she's my mother. And yep. he and and it's, it's interesting because that, that opens up this possibility of having this back channel of conversation yep. where a DM can have a, a player yep. that, they can have this conversation with, and then they can provide the bits that have been missed. Yep, and yep. and, and that sure. that's a very clever way of of making sure that a a, a game doesn't unravel into a whole yeah. lot of acrimony because yeah. the players miss something and the DM gets grumpy and you, oh, need, and you it, need to have a way of filling that gap in. And, and the, I mean that that was always the intention with that that role play channel was to try to give little bits of tidbits that are. Yeah in between sessions to uh, add, I'm not going to say flavor, but to make sure that the people are investing and want to be there for that next session and not miss. And the only way I can think of that is the story captivates them. That's the only way I can think of yeah. because when I sit there and think, why did the elves leave? They just wanted to fight. Why did the Asher, the barbarian leave? H- hard to say, but to me, I'm just like, as a player on Sleeper Island, I've lost any investment in it other than, all right, going out there. Because the fact is, is as a character, I can't develop my character at all in Sleeper Island. No. Because in Sleeper Island, but the time you're, frame you're with... For Sleeper Island is, yeah. You, well, Part of the developing of your character is the interaction you have with the other characters. That's right. And so if you're not in the same party, yeah. then, yeah, that, that, it, that becomes very challenging. Yeah. And so while you can develop your character within your own world and yep. as you are you you've got a, a period of a couple of hours yep. in which to then bring out a character that you've developed to five other players yeah and that's next to impossible well and especially when those players change all the time as yeah, they that, do in that's west what I'm marches yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but so, one of the this is to me when we, we we should pick this up perhaps on another podcast but that one of the issues with west marches is the inability to form a party of your own choosing so that you can then turn around and say, well, yeah. this, it's, this it's, group of three or four yeah. players are going to get together to do a ch- because, where, where this stuff would yeah, be known. Yeah. Well, and, and that comes down to, like I was sitting there thinking, there's a beauty about the hex crawl in what the hex crawl involves. Yeah. And it's difficult to have a campaign and a hex crawl combined together. I mean, it's, it's, it's doable. Yeah. But... And and I'm sure that as you guys explore into the, further into the Southlands outside of Provesta, and that the hex crawl stuff would become pertinent. But I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about this. We've been playing now since with this group since October, yeah. And we are March, so six months, mm. and six months of game time. So six times four is 24 sessions. Yeah. Your discovery of more of the Southlands has been like this, and I'm sitting there thinking. Wow, I, I can so see on, how some I people just, that just say Just for campaigns. those people that weren't paying attention, when he said like this, he then held his thumb and his finger about yeah. two inches apart. Right. To imply that, yes, we've learned nothing. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. There's so much. And I was sitting there thinking, what does a GM have to do in a campaign so that a, people could know this great and grand, grandiose world? And, you know, now I, I start seeing a little bit more of like, things like critical role and whatnot and where they have these things which have been going on for years before the, the characters have finally reached level 20. Yeah. And I like the idea of being a player and having a group 
where the investment is such that, oh man, I love this character. I enjoy coming in every week and mm. getting to be this character. And you can't do that in one shots. No. And at the moment, with with, with standard with West marches, yeah, I don't see it happening either. Yeah, the the combination of a hex crawl with a if you had twenty players that all knew each other. Yeah, and would go out That's on sessions right. of five or six at a yes, time. Yes, if it was just twenty then they players, would start sure. to know each other. And yeah. I, I, and when I have played the West Marches games, I have noticed that in a couple of games, I've come up with the same people playing yeah. at the same time, which and, no longer and, happens at all, doesn't? It? No, and, and and that's where you can actually get a bit from each one. Yeah, yeah. So the, there's a, the yeah, the West Marches side of it has it. Ha- if you can. Find a way of putting the two together. Yeah. Then the West Marches is a, is a yeah, great I, potential to be a that's true a, a, a really good campaign platform. Having twenty people and just imagining twenty people exploring that campaign setting yeah. could co- accomplish so much more as, as groups of four or five. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. and then what you would be able to do is do that information exchange when you get back yeah, to the town. Yeah, all of a sudden you guys get at the same time, and every once in so a while just have, have a of, big. All twenty of you guys having a big twenty-person role-playing session where it's all right, guys. Yeah. You're all together. You, whoever you be interested, you're in at the massage parlor. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you can all exchange information yeah. while you're getting a. Anyway, yeah. Anyways, thanks for joining us. That was another session with Mick and Stacy talking about the fun of a Crimson Nib campaign. Until next time. Hello, good people of the interwebs. This episode is now done, dusted, and finished. I do hope you enjoyed it, and I'll be back in just one week.